Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Frenchies, so Every single dude, dudes. all the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about S, sex in the city. I don't know why I'm trying to get so funky and how it relates <laughs> to us. Oh, oh my goodness, gracious. Hi, Jamala. Hi, hi, hi. How, how are, are you? Okay. Jinx, personal jinx, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, okay. nine. Okay. Wow. What does that mean? I die now. I forget. You, you didn't ever do jinx? Yeah, I did. I, but what was the consequence? The consequence was that you had to be quiet until I let you speak. Oh, shit. I should jinx myself so I could learn how to shut the fuck up <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, you can't do that because I'm about to ask you, who are you this week? Um, I think I am, I think I'm Carrie this week because uh, I started a new job. Um, I'm writing for a Quibi show and I I just feel like I had such an amazing time abroad mm. that I like brought all this positivity with me back. I love that. To the United States. Packed it in your suitcase. Yeah. And I started the job with a really good attitude. And I think that good attitude helped me like make friends instantly with mm. everyone that I work with. Um, Is I, it a big staff? I mean, there's a lot of producers. Yeah. And a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's about maybe 20 or 30 people. Um and I work very closely with this one other writer and we get along like gangbusters. And I feel like my positive, I, I think Carrie has a really positive bubbly attitude. She does. She does. And I think I kind of like brought that to this job and was just like, I'm going to be fun and positive. Great. And I think it like helped get everybody like on my t- side. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I love hearing that. Gal, who are you this week? I was also a Carrie or I am also a Carrie. Um, this past weekend, I went to see a movie. First of all, I've been very, very jet lagged and not wanting to lose it because it causes me to wake up really, really early in the morning, which at first was terrifying. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm literally awake and no one else is. But then I started to realize how it helped with productivity. And I would wake up at 3.30 in the morning and I would start working at 6 in the morning after like having my coffee and like sitting on the couch and kind of waking up and 
just felt like I had more time in general and it was very exciting. So I'm trying to cling to it and not let it go. But I am slowly getting on normal person time. And I went to a movie uh, with my husband. And during the movie, I knew that we were supposed to go to a birthday party afterwards. And I was like, I know myself like after sitting in a dark theater, I just want to go home. And I did wake up at 3.30 in the morning. So I, sh- I just kept telling myself I should go home. And then I didn't. And I was proud of myself. And I went to the birthday party. And it was really fun. And I just had like a really nice social night. Great. With, um, with a couple of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. And yeah, it was just kind of a blast. Also, I went out with Dan. Dan and I have a mutual friend, Skylar Aston, who's an actor and he's on this new show and he was just in town for like five seconds doing press. And then there's another friend that Dan has who is an agent who's like a big wrestling fan. And Dan just has this kind of like interesting group of friends that I really, really like hanging out with. Mm. And we all just had a really great time and like we were drinking and then we went to the party and like I just kind of forgot what time it was and sleepy old Jamie who normally is like guys I gotta go home I was proud of myself for like not giving into that Good which felt you. very Carrie because Carrie's always like stand up past her bedtime yeah so I channeled that I love it yeah it was nice so anyways getting into our episode this week we are covering season three episode seven it's called drama queens Rose kick us off this is such a great episode. Fabulous. Oh, can I say one thing before we start? Yeah. Um, I really want to thank our listeners. We sort of asked you guys how you were liking the show and if you had any oh, kind yeah. of thoughts. Yes, great. And your great responses point. were so kind. warm and loving. And, you know, some people mentioned that our podcast helped them go through some hard times, some personal challenges. Um, we got a lot of feedback that that people really appreciate us being so candid about our mental health journeys. Yes. So uh, thank you for, for communicating with us. It makes us feel really good and makes us feel happy and like the show is meaningful. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, we really appreciate everything that you guys say and we really value how you feel about the podcast. So yeah, thanks for taking the time to let us know. It's also just so nice to read. So anyway, uh, the episode kicks off with Carrie jolting out of her sleep. Is her apartment on fire? Is she having a nightmare? What is wrong? Nothing, it turns out. Carrie and Aiden are good. And for Carrie, that is not good. She catches up with the girls to discuss. I mean, it's just smooth sailing. Nothing but calm seas and blue horizon as far as the eye can see. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. There's not a cloud in sight. We we adore each other. We have fun together. We mesh. And this is a problem? No, it just, well, it just, it, it feels odd. You know, I'm, I'm used to the, uh, you know, the hunt. And this is effortless. It's just, it's freaking me out. I totally understand. You're not getting the stomach flip. Which is really just a fear of losing the guy. Mm. Maybe I'm just not used to being with someone who doesn't do the ever-seductive withholding dance. Mm. But, you know, there is an upside to being with a guy with no surprises. I mean, Steve is completely predictable, but that's one of the things I love about him. He's just so comfortable and safe. Are you dating a man or a minivan? Read into it what you will, but my new favorite thing to do on a Saturday night is Steve's laundry, and I have never been happier. Your relationship is my greatest fear realized. (laughs) I totally understand your dilemma. And from my experience, honey, if he seems too good to be true, he probably is. I don't believe this. Now we're dumping guys for being too available. 
This is all solid proof of what I've been reading in this great new book. <laughs> it says that if you really want to get married, you shouldn't be spending so much time around dysfunctional single women. Oh so my God. Incorporated. How to apply successful business strategies to finding a husband. Chapter one. How to get ahead by giving head. <laughs> That's so offensive. I mean, this is another classic example of how well the core four represent different viewpoints. Like each one of them is represents a, a very, very different point of view and the way that they layer them in these discussions is it's just it's so well done. Like every possible angle is covered in this conversation in this conversation. Well, that's why this show is a classic two decades later is because it's. It's brilliant um, sitcom writing because of exactly what you said. It They've developed these brilliant characters. There's something in writing called like a character mix where you want to get – in any sitcom where there's five or six characters, you want to get characters with different yeah. POVs like yeah. in Friends. So that, there's something to talk about. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. But in this case, it's like – it's really like it's the voices in your head and they all – you know, you're having these kind of spiraling thoughts and that is – the core four you're exactly are, right it's like herman's head like they're all a different remember that show i love that show you're right and it is it's it's like we've all thought each one of those things and mm-hmm. at any given moment yeah i think something that i thought just now listening to that clip which is probably kind of mean was like no offense samantha but who the fuck are you to give advice you're never in a relationship yeah. and you're never like and also to tell her like that that means some like you should follow your fear, Carrie. Something's probably fucked up. It's like ew, that's such a nasty thing to say to someone. Yes, and like, also like ugh, if you that's want not, that's not being a good friend. If we're gonna be direct, it's like I'm sorry. When was the last time you were in any relationship? Right. Like right. I think this is a really relatable and interesting thing that is happening right now. And I was actually talking to Skylar about that on the ride over about how like. They truly made Aiden the exact opposite of big. Yeah. Everything from like. He's available. He's sweet. Yeah. Like everything from you like. Know where you stand. Big wears a suit every day. Aiden, Aiden wears, wears turquoise jewelry. Yep. Yep. And. And she's now dealing with being with somebody who wants to be with her. And it's sort of turning her off. Oh, yeah, exactly. Also, I had this a little bit with my college boyfriend. We hit a point like six months in where it was just like so easy. We were like both so communicative. We were so in love. We spent every second together. And I kind of had a panic attack where I was not really. I shouldn't use that. No, lightly. you were freaking out. I, I was really freaking out about like what is the what, like where does this go? Because it wasn't like, oh, and then we graduate and we get married. Like I didn't want to get married at 22. So there was kind of just like this feeling of like well what do we like there's no excitement because we've kind of already achieved everything as far as we can for people in their early 20s so yeah I I I know that sort of like panic around things being easy I think I do too and and I think especially I you sort of get the feeling that this is Carrie's first significant healthy relationship ever in her life absolutely and I think no matter how old you are, I think the first time you are in a healthy relationship, if you're used to drama, it can be scary when things are easy and stable because it's easy to conflate drama with like 
spice and excitement and sex appeal. Mm -hmm. And so if things are not dramatic, it's like, oh, are we even attracted to each other? Is there even fire here? Right. What do you think about this, Skylar? Um, I, I mean, I'm so like on board with like things being comfortable and easy that like I don't I, I certainly like early when I was dating had like those anxieties about it, they're not it, it, there being a problem if there wasn't a problem. But uh, as soon as I kind of came around on just thinking that like things being comfortable and being normal and, and everybody being communicative, being a good thing, I was like I was into it. Like I that's what I prefer. And Chris and I have now been together for almost eight years because we both have that. that. Yeah. I think that Carrie. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, I know I'm just acting like these are real people, but I'm like, Wait, I, wonder, I, always do that. I wonder if their sex life is, I wonder if she's sexually satisfied. Cause I feel like there's something where it's like, well, you know, he, he definitely is like in contact with her. You know, he wants to see her all the time. Like there's no mind games. So it's kind of like, you know, but like, like, is he a great lay? Because I feel like Big and her, like, they know how to fuck. But I think that's because sex is in the mind first. And I think because Big feels so unattainable as far as like the actual moves of sex. Oh, that's interesting. You think that the sex with Big feels better because he's just a hard, I, he's hard to get? Yeah, I think okay. in her mind, it's yeah. so, ex it, it's like sex is so mental it's so exhilarating to be sleeping with him because mm. she caught this uncatchable man. Mm -hmm. I do think that Aiden plays the doors, though, when you have sex with him. Oh, yeah. I think That's it's very I'm much saying. like... I feel like, you know... Yeah, I feel like if you went... I'm so glad we never see his apartment because I'm sure it's infuriating. It's a teepee. <laughs> it's like a teepee in it's Central a yurt, Park. For sure, for sure. Yeah. It's the Upper Upper East Side yurt. This was very ahead of its time because Aiden is like the quintessential Venice Beach guy. Mm. Just the way he dresses, the fact that they made him like a nature-y hippie carpenter. Like, yeah, he like woodworks. That's really a type that exists here. And I think, I guess, in New York too. But that like... He feels more fish out of water. He doesn't feel like a conventional New Yorker. And I guess Big did in a lot of ways. Very much so. So yeah, I think He that, has West Coast vibes. Yes. Big Sur, yes, California. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. He, yeah. he kept reminding me of Hansel from Zoolander. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, same a, hair. A real Owen Wilson laid yes, back. Yes, yes, definitely. What did you think about Miranda saying her favorite thing to do on Saturday night is fold her boyfriend's Ugh, laundry? Oh my God, I could not relate less. I, I found it depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. the height at the moment, Miranda. You're like a, you're a Harvard trained lawyer. Like yeah. there are exciting things going on in your life. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think the spirit of what she says, I understand. Like I think after being single for 30 however plus years she's supposed to, I'm not sure how old she is, 35, 36, to meet somebody that loves you and to know that on Saturday night you don't have to like hit the town. I think that like that part's relatable. That to me, I understand. But to the laundry, but the actual laundry. No, it sounds uh, you worked all week. What but, now you have to fold his laundry? Yes. But you know what? Yeah. Even if it was just like, oh, it's so nice not to go chasing around just to know. Even if it wasn't folding laundry, even if it was just like watching Netflix and eating dinner, I still think that's a little problematic because just because you're in a relationship, you still have to keep doing fun things together and not just like become shut-ins. Yeah. What do you think Miranda and Steve do for fun outside of the apartment? Like, I don't even know. Nothing they like is the same. No, I don't even know. It feels like an indoor relationship to me. I oh don't God. see that hitting the streets well. It's I mean, like, they, they, I see there are a couple episodes where like they get pizza together, but like... <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like the only thing they can do is like really neutral stuff like it's ice always like skating grab or a slice or like take a walk like it's not yeah yeah they're not gonna like hit a play like if they hit a play be like Miranda what's going on in <laughs> right. Act who's two? Hamlet <laughs> yeah who's this hammy guy <laughs> Yeah, it's like whatever their interests are like opposed. Like she would he would take her to like a game, like a hockey game yes. or a basketball oh, that's game. A good, yeah, and she'd be like And she'd just be like on her phone texting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, that they have I think they have a bedroom relationship. They do. Yeah. It's like talking about problems, being there for her and having sex. Yeah. Which is why she's like, Let me fold your laundry because she's like, I'd rather do that than like have to explain try to like go to, to a museum with you. Yeah. It sounds like a fucking try nightmare. And explain Picasso. Right. To you. right. No. He's like, Why is his head over there and his shoulders over there? She got five eyes. <laughs> okay. So Hot off her pro-routine speech at lunch, Miranda goes back to her place and enjoys her routine with Steve. They eat leftovers, they have eight minutes of sex, they check in on Frontline and go to sleep. It's boring, but it's good boring. Samantha's love life, on the other hand, is everything Miranda's isn't. She started seeing Mark, an ear, nose, and throat specialist who's also a fun pill popper. (laughs) Only his jug of choice is V, which is short for Viagra. Sam's skeptical at first, but once they get down to getting down, she's got to admit, Viagra, it's not just for elderly ED sufferers. And Carrie just can't let Aiden's nice guy thing go. They have a walk together where she has to know what is wrong with him. She does concede that there might be something wrong with her for being so hung up on it, but he doesn't really budge. Could Aiden really just be a good person? He invites Carrie to join him and his parents that weekend, which also doesn't help her calm down. It's so hilarious when you get what you want and you just can't accept it. Absolutely. It's like it happens in every area of life. Yes, it's true. This is like this episode, if anything, is a metaphor for us all needing to like just have gratitude and accept good things and be excited about them. Yeah, you're right. Charlotte invites her married pals after being violently rude to the girls and calling them single and dysfunctional. Yeah, I can't believe she still has friends after that. It's so mean. So gross. Her married pals, Amy and Dennis, out for dinner, where she insists they set her up. These married people obviously have the keys to the marriage kingdom, and Charlotte wants in. They end up agreeing to set her up with their friend, Phil who better love opera because that's what Charlotte's taking him to. And Miranda's in the middle of doing her favorite weekend chore, Steve's laundry, when she gets a very rude reminder that sometimes bodies are gross. That was awful. I was wrong. There is a point at which a couple can get too comfortable, and I think I reached it this morning washing Steve's underwear. Why? What happens? I'm living with skid marks, Guy. Oh, no. Oh, terrible. I don't get it. Why do men get skid marks? Is it laziness? Are they just in a rush? I don't know, but whatever it is, it goes hand in hand with urinating on the seat. I tell you one thing. When your boyfriend is so comfortable, he can't be bothered to wipe his ass. (laughs) That's the end of romance right there. Well, it's certainly the end of laundry night. It got me thinking. Maybe I'm mistaking falling into a rut with intimacy. How often are you guys having sex? Often enough, but it's totally generic. We've got every move down pat. It's more like a race to have an orgasm than anything else. Still, it's nice to be a contestant, isn't it? (laughs) Sure, I know what you mean. We whine when we don't have a boyfriend, and we whine when we do. Do you remember how Big used to keep me away from his mother like I was some kind of leper? (laughs) I remember. how pissed it used to make me? I remember. Well, now, Aiden's offering up both his parents on a silver platter, and... I'm not sure I want to meet them. 
Maybe it's too soon. I've never met Steve's mother, and believe me, I'm in no rush. The irony is Aiden's acting exactly the way I wish Big would have behaved, and I'm behaving just like Big. Hmm. Maybe you don't believe it's for real unless somebody's playing hard to get. <sighs> wow. First of all, skid marks are fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. I was just talking to my sister who has a baby boy who's 18 months, and obviously she's still changing his diaper, but I was like, it's going to be interesting having a boy because from what I've heard of my friends who have kids, boys don't wipe as well as girls do. Mm. I mean, this to me, I will say. That's completely tangential, by the no, way. No, I mean, glad we, glad we went there. Um, <laughs> no, I think that, I think that, yeah, I mean, to me. I mean, seeing I got to say that you shouldn't, don't do his laundry. Let him do his laundry. I don't know. I'm really stuck on the whole laundry thing. Like. Acts of service might be her love language. It I know. sounds like it is. I know. It sounds like it is. But I don't know. Underwear in general. I mean, like women get periods and we have like discharge. And, like, weird crust. and yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like underwear is gross, period. Do your own it laundry does not matter or pay someone that you don't sleep the, with. What the uh, stain, you know, what what the, the source of the stain. It's just like it is intimate to have someone like doing your laundry. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that needs to go. Yeah, I think we can. I think that should that let him do that, or at least like have him like have a separate hamper for underwear, and like he can deal with that. Yeah, I think that in an LTR long term relationship, you already have enough struggles to keep things romantic Absolutely. and wanting to sleep together. You don't need to at, make it much harder by like seeing legitimately gross things about each other. Like the mystery is already a lot less there when you're seeing someone every day but there's some things like keeping the door closed and doing your own laundry yeah, yeah, that that's okay it's just a it's, it's a nice boundary that protects both of you yeah we don't need to know everything about each other no ins and outs. yeah exactly yeah um what do you think about the whole like carrie finally getting what she she seems really self-aware about it yeah it was it was pretty surprising and it's also very cool that like this is like everything we were just saying about how Aiden is polar opposite from big, like it's all so deliberate in the writing. And I, th I think it's like such an interesting thing to explore that she's the pendulum has swung completely the other way. And now she's like, oh, I don't know if this works either. Yeah, I think this is a really good example of like up until season three, you could potentially, even though Carrie has shown a lot of signs of having like major relationship anxiety, you could kind of put all the blame on big and be like, oh, well, she's just dating a jerk. But then when you see her with Aiden, you're like, oh, this isn't entirely big's fault. This is a person who doesn't know how to be loved. And it's really coming out now. And you can see yeah. like how people can ruin good things. Yeah. And also this conversation is a little depressing and I, I can relate to it because I feel like we are sort of never satisfied. Like, I can't I don't know maybe I'll just speak for myself I've definitely had those thoughts where I'm like when things are good I'm looking for a problem when things are bad I can't wait for them to be good it's kind of strange like yeah it's it, why I don't know why it's so hard to just get into a place of oh I'm grateful in this moment not that I don't have gratitude but I've definitely felt that way where I'm like I have a, a like I have an I'm always like chasing something you know what um that's a really interesting concept that I relate to as well. And in Buddhism, it's called Hungry Ghost. Yes, I've heard of this. Yeah. So if you also yeah. relate to this, Google Hungry Ghost because it's and Buddhism because it's it's kind of about how like 
you want something, you get it, you're not happy. You want something, you get it, you're not happy. Then you're kind of never going to be happy. And it at also some is point- somewhat biological because there. I, I was listening to a podcast about this, about like humans, we adapt very quickly and it is um, a mechanism to protect us. But it also backfires because we kind of are like, even when you like achieve this thing that feels really special and you've worked all this time when you get it, you ride that way for maybe two weeks and then you're kind of like, okay, this is my new reality. So like there is also that where it's like we are truly programmed to not be satisfied for too long, which is a kind of a terrifying, terrifying thought. Well, I that's very interesting. And I never thought about that, but that makes sense. But to like bring it back. Yeah, bring BTB, it back, bring bring it back, it back to, to Buddhism. Buddhism. Yep. Bring it BITB. Yep. Please That's do. like my thing. BITB, bring it back to Buddhism. Um, no one will ever be happy by just accomplishing. Like achievements don't actually make you happy according to Buddhism. Sure. Neither do external things, right. which is why you need to cultivate are, yes, yes, yes. a spiritual practice right. because things just are going to come and go all the time. Right. And anyway, that's your. And there it that's, is. That's your She's hot drop in knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. All right, get us back into the app. Okay. While her dinner with Amy and Dennis seemed to be going great, Charlotte ends up getting completely iced out. She tries calling Phil to set up their date. She tries calling Dennis. She tries and tries and tries and tries. Nobody gets back to her despite very hostile voicemails from Charlotte. Carrie still can't get her head around Aiden and his insane habit of inviting her into his life. So she goes to his store to have a talk. She doesn't want to meet his parents after all, and she definitely doesn't want this kind man's kindness. They leave things with her asking for space and him kindly agreeing. And while it was supposed to be her and Phil's first date, Charlotte ends up taking Carrie to the opera. She can't bring herself to let go of this romantic evening and gives Dennis one last call. Just as she's about to get his ass, he picks up. Dennis was on a work trip. His bad. He'll set Phil and Charlotte up immediately. Samantha and Mark, her ENT guy, are getting back to their chemically enhanced love life when Sam gets curious. If those little baby blues work so well for him, what could they do for her? Mark doesn't know, and like any responsible doctor, he kind of just lets it fly. The V, it turns out, does work for Samantha. It makes sex for her even more amazing. Back at the opera, Carrie's kind of bored. Charlotte gives Carrie her binoculars and Carrie starts scanning the crowd when who does she see? Oh, just her opera-loving ex, Big, and his wife across the theater. Carrie freaks and takes off, Big trailing after her, but they don't interact. Carrie flees the scene insanely fast, and later on, Carrie calls Miranda for some reassurance, which Miranda happily gives. Maybe a routine guy like Aiden could work for her. The next day, Carrie tries to put her late-night revelations into action. She calls Aiden, but can't get him on the phone. What happened to Mr. Available? And Miranda and Steve have some out-of-routine sex on top of the washer, so they're all good again. Skid marks be damned. When Charlotte finally gets her chance to meet Phil at a bar, she's in for a rude surprise. Are you Phil? I could be. Hi. Well, hello. 
Are you here to chaperone? <laughs> yes, sort of. <laughs> What's wrong? You couldn't trust me alone with Phil? Uh, actually, Charlotte, Phil's not coming. What? I never called Phil. I, I didn't want you to meet him because you'd really like him and that could create a problem for me. What are you talking about? I think I'm in love with you, Charlotte. Well, you can't be in love with me. You're married to my friend. Yeah, things haven't been going so great with us lately. And ever since I saw you that night at dinner, I, I couldn't stop thinking about you. This is not... No, no, come on, come on, don't leave, don't leave. You kept all of your great single friends away from me just so you could cheat on your wife? You should be ashamed of yourself. You're such a spark plug. <laughs> I love that about you. I am not interested in starting some married man's car. Wait, no, no, no wait, no, wait, don't leave, don't no. leave. No, please, I love you. Oh my God, her acting is so funny here. That's an amazing scene. It's so good. It's such a twist. I love it. It is really, truly surprising because she pulls such a psychotic She's maneuver. So over the top and obsessive and yeah. And then it, he, it doesn't, it doesn't thwart this guy. He's not just like, does it not thwart you're, him. You're, he calls her a spark plug. I want someone to call me a spark plug next time I stalk them. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little much. Um, have you ever been successfully set up? Oh my God. I don't know if I've, I, it's really hard to say, uh, listeners and Skylar and Jamie, I'm sorry if I've told you this story before, but mm. it's like a traumatic setup story. Hmm. So a friend of mine was like, oh my God, this was years ago, like 10 years ago in New York. I was like, oh my God, I have the perfect guy for you. You'll love him. He's so great. He's a good friend of mine. Plus you guys kind of look alike. Hmm. Like he's like the male version of you. Like you're going to trust me. This is me. Great. I'm like, okay. So I go to the restaurant and he walks in and he's like a Gumby ass, <laughs> like, a fucking weird owl, Jewish payas curls, like like a cartoon, horrible version of a Jewish person who's like very tall. And I was like, is this what you think I look oh like? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like he was nice enough, but I was just not uh, not. Do you still to talk to that friend or really? No. Like, how dare you? But I was also like deeply offended. I was like, yeah. if you say it's the male version of me, like somebody very hot needs to walk in, not mm-hmm. like a cartoon, like male olive oil. It was mm-hmm. bad. I had a setup one time and the whole time I was like, I'm pretty sure this guy's gay. And I went out with my two friends. It was similar to this, like Dennis and Amy setting up Charlotte. It was my two friends and they chaperoned and we all went out for empanadas. And the whole time I was like, this guy is gay. I was like, I'm so surprised. And it was the whole time. It was all I could think about. I was like, I am not sensing that this man is attracted to women. And my friends are trying to make it happen. And he was attractive and all these things, but it like. It's just like I couldn't stop thinking that. And Did that never occur to them that he might be gay? I brought it up later and they're like, no. And I was like, I think so, guys. Like, I don't know if he just hasn't come out yet or I don't know. Maybe he was just had qualities. I'm not I really am not sure. But the whole time I couldn't get past it. And he was like very successful. He was like an SNL person. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I like really wanted it to work out. And I was like, mm, no. You know, not any time I have a great guy friend that I'm not attracted to, I always try and set them up sure. with friends. Same. Because there's so many great people. I mean, the idea of being set up is awesome. I feel like my mom's always like, don't you have friends that can set you up? I think in her generation, setting up was like really common. Yeah. And it was also more necessary. There, were, there was no alternative. It's like you either meet someone out 
through friends or they have to set you up. It has to be deliberate because you don't have apps to assist with that. That being said, I would rather be set up through friends than apps. And I have to say, like, it's amazing as someone who's single, having had so many female friends who are like, I have no male friends. All of my boyfriend's friends are terrible. It's like, Mm. God, nobody like. I know. It's kind of crazy how few great people women know. I was just talking to someone about this last night because I I know a guy who is single and uh, he was like, do you have anyone? And I was like, he was like, can you set me up with someone? And I was like, it's not as easy as like, I'm not like, oh, Rose is single. It's like, I don't know that you two would connect. Wait, is he cute and cool? He is cool, but I just know your type, and I don't think this is it. Oh, my God. Tell me about him right now. Okay. Well, he's, yeah, he's a successful guy. Okay. Um, He is, I, I mean, he's short. Is he attractive? He's cute. You don't think he's cute? I That's think he's the cute. problem. I think he's cute. He's fine. This guy is, like, shorter than me. How tall are you? 5'4". Oh, then no. Yeah. See? Oh, my God. Ah, I'm bad. But also, I just don't see it. No. So I think that's my point is like the pool of people in your life is usually for most people sort of small. And then it's even cut in half or more because you're like, I don't know that you would even though the two of you are single, I don't know that I would want you and like, I just don't see it. Yeah, I know. It's tricky. God, if you're a man who happens to be tall and straight, that is such a like. No, but that's just like such a crazy thing that like unfortunately I feel like I'm just perpetuating horrible stereotypes but well, you're a tall you're tall yeah I'm really tall you're allowed to have your preferences I do have preferences even though I tr- I I am open to things outside my preferences of course but yes if I was going to order my husband from a lab he would be tall yeah I get it but if I meet a little short guy who just hits all the right buttons then, then great. here I go yeah okay so, getting us back into the episode. Wait, I oh. love that, uh, like, just talking about the show, about her being set up with friends, turned into, like, me trying to make you set me up. It did dawn on me. But I was like, I just don't know. I just know your type. I know what you're into, and I just don't see it. I, I really don't picture it. So, if I set you up, I would feel like this is disingenuous no, to you, you have as to my friend. you set it up for success. That's my point. Okay. So, anyways. Okay. Cool. So, Correctly offended over Dennis's clumsy attempt to blow up his life for her, Charlotte rushes out of the bar and slips off the curb. When she's almost hit by a cab, the passenger jumps out to help, and it's Trey! They look deep into each other's eyes, and it is confirmed they're going to have a multi-episode arc. Things wrap up for Samantha and Mark, with him getting a little uncomfortable with Sam's new love of Viagra. He wants to try sex without it, but she's not interested, and they break up. And Carrie decides she should make a big romantic gesture of her own. She shows up to the diner um, where Aiden's meeting his parents and knocks on the window to get his attention. She admits she was wrong. Being available is sexy and they are good. Before we go on, what did you think about that last scene at the diner, Jamie? I liked it. I, well, I mean, yeah, I like <laughs> that's not very much of an analysis, but I, I thought it was a really interesting way to represent that. Carrie is growing and seeing the value in Aiden and how he is different from Big. Um, yeah, it also felt very Carrie. It's it feels Carrie to like show up to a parent dinner, whereas you know when you're meeting parents for the first time, it's like you make plan. a plan. Yes. Yeah, but for her to just like knock on the window and she's like, "Hey, it's me, your girlfriend." Like it just was so. I just I've never known anyone to ever do that. Where it's like not sort of set in stone, like this is the day I meet 
so-and-so's parents. It's very like, she kind of treated it just like, maybe I will pop by. It's very adult. It felt very, uh, yeah, it felt adult. It's also kind of the positive, like, inverse of what happened with Big, too. Because she surprised Big and his Yes, mom and, he and he hated out. it. And yeah. He was, like, happy to see Yes. Her. And we didn't see the interaction mm-hmm. Carrie actually has with his parents, but, like, you get the sense it probably wasn't this toxic nightmare. That, yes, of yeah. course, of course. Yeah, and I also like that they didn't show the meeting because it doesn't matter. It's more like the gesture, her coming to that conclusion on her own and then going to be with them. Yeah, I thought it was really, especially as somebody who can be a little Carrie-esque in her dating, I found it very um, refreshing and very loving and patient that, like, Carrie's being difficult. She's, like, saying one thing, doing the next, causing drama where there's no drama, and kind of spinning like a little top, and then comes back to him and is like, I'm being dumb. And he could have been super annoyed, and he could have been like, yeah, I mean, now it's kind of right. too late. And it's just, like, very refreshing. It's even like though Steve. it's fictional to know that there's men that are, like, that can handle, that have um, the capacity to, like, kind of stick through some of the hard stuff. Because I've had a lot of experience with men who are like, that sounds hard. Bye. Yeah. Well, and that's who Big was. Big would have been, Big was always like, stop, keep your voice down. You're being so dramatic. Like, he was always sort of, like, making fun of her or like trying to sort of quell her little flip outs. Whereas Aiden's kind of like, yeah, you flipped out. It's okay. Which is how Steve is as well. It's so, it's so crazy how like the exciting romance that people watch the show for is for the relationship that really is is a failure. Yep, exactly. Okay. So this brings us to the question of the episode. When things come too easy, we're suspect. Do they have to get complicated before we believe they're for real? We're raised to believe that the course of true love never runs smoothly. There always has to be obstacles in Act 2 before you can live happily ever after in Act 3. But what happens when the obstacles aren't there? Does that mean there's something missing? Do we need drama to make a relationship work? Such a good question. And I think the answer is yes, a little bit. A a healthy dose, not a not a big level continue explain yeah I think so I mean I think that I think there has to be a little bit of push pull and a little bit of a little bit of turbulence I want to emphasize because it gives you a problem to surmount as a couple and ultimately makes you grow closer together So I think that if it's smooth sailing, there's not really an evolution happening. And I think that's when you get to that point where you're like, where do we go from here? Like, neither of us are really growing or changing or bringing out the best in each other, bringing out the worst in each other. It's just like there is something there is something detrimental about full smooth sailing, like couples that don't fight that kind of thing. I think that is also a problem. I'm not saying you should be arguing or whatever obviously you want it to be comfortable but there is a little bit of passion in drama and I think that it ha- there has to be a smidge of it to keep things interesting because there is passion in drama unfortunately like they are somewhat synonymous again we're not getting into territory that's like dangerous or destructive right. I'm just talking about like an, a dose of it is is a little spicy and it sucks that it's that way. But I've also had the relationship where it's like, you know, just super easy. And it also, it just doesn't, 
Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't satisfy in a lot of ways because it feels like no one's fighting. No one, not literally fighting, but no one's like sticking their neck out for anything. It's just kind of like complacent. Intriguing. I would like to hear Skylar because you've been in like a relatively smooth thing. What do you think about this question? I mean, we've certainly had like substantial arguments and like substantial disagreements. I think that we. What about drama? Drama, drama, no. I think that probably early on we had things like closer to drama when we were like in college and like partying and whatnot. And like, who knows? I don't. I. I but I think that fighting is drama. There, it's not drama in the true sense of what what Carrie's doing, where she's literally creating problems out of nowhere. That's drama for sure. Yes, I'm talking more about the smooth sailing. No one's, no one is. Um, Disagreements and fighting kind of goes without saying, though, doesn't but it? But I, I don't think so. I think there are couples that are really they don't communicate, they don't voice how they're feeling, and it's easy because there is a lack of intimacy in that capacity. And I think that that is that's more what I'm referring to. It's not drama of like you need like no one needs to be like throwing plates against the wall like in a commercial for spaghetti sauce. Totally. And I also think it's that more like, like, yeah, I don't know. You have I, to like fall apart a little to come back together. I think I also think that like there is a world in which having no drama is also like, as you say, like a sign of not having that much intimacy. Like you've yeah. reached this position with the person you're in a relationship with where you like kind of know what not to talk about you know where not to go with yes them. yes and that's yes. actually like that skirts around drama yes but that's also like that's not also very bound- intimate you're yes. not knowing the yes. other person like you're not talking about things that are a problem like right right and yeah i think those you a good healthy relationship has quote-unquote drama because there is a comfort talking about those things drama is like a bad word those. because yeah. what carrie's doing is really creating drama where it doesn't exist yeah. but i think maybe her fear is coming from a place of is this going to be so easy mm-hmm. that it's boring because that's like tying into what's going on with miranda totally. in her relationship where she's like it's so easy that i think that that is also a problem totally i think that both of what you guys said was really interesting. And I think, again, uh, there's a lot in that word drama that, yes. that can be interpreted as you sure. need. Absolutely. I think in the spirit of the question she's asking, personally, I think you don't need a lot of drama. I think a normal amount of fighting in any relationship, obviously. But drama to me is something else. Yeah. And I think that when things are, this might sound kind of vague or idealistic, but I actually do think when people are meant to be, it happens a little more smoothly. Mm -hmm. I agree. Than you think. I think if things are very complicated and tough and dramatic, it's because one or both people are trying to make something work that shouldn't be working. Yes, which is like Carrie and Big. Yeah, because I think when people truly get along, it kind of just moves along. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, so... In that sense, I think this question is being asked by somebody that doesn't know how to be in a healthy relationship and who's had extremely sexy, hot relationships with people who are not really there for her. And there's been a lot of drama there. And I think that me and my therapist have talked about this, that you have to like train yourself to be in a healthy relationship if you're used to unhealthy ones. 
And if you're used to dramatic relationships, a healthy relationship can seem boring. Right. Which but is it's what's, not I think that that's it is what's boring. Here. It's that, yeah. that you think that like a storm off is what needs to be sexy. And my therapist is like, a, a serious, real, committed relationship isn't up and down. And well, no, he didn't say isn't up and down. He's like, it's not about excitement. He's like, it's about a deep level of intimacy that's satisfying in a different way. Right. And you go through phases. Sometimes you're more in love. Sometimes you're less in love. But it's not about like mm, excitement. He's like, excitement is more about somebody that you don't know if they're there for you. And if you're just chasing that, then it will be very hard for you to be in a relationship. Yeah, I think that, I think also what you're saying, yeah, what you're saying is dead on. And I think that what what she's going through is she is making, Carrie's making a lot of assumptions that this relationship is not going to have any problems. Yeah. And that's also a sign of never being in a good or a real relationship. Because for her to think it's so black and white, it's either big drama all the time, ups and downs, or Aiden, he doesn't care. He's not he's not moved by the fact that she doesn't want to meet his parents. Like, he's so easygoing. And it's like, well, we also haven't gotten to know Aiden yet. Like, she's not really giving him a chance to show what he can be like in a relationship. She's kind of making the call that it's going to be boring ahead of even letting it play out. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, because... This goes, I, I keep talking about therapeutic words because it's my whole lens of, of life, but like it's easier to do something destructive that you're used to than something positive and healthy that you're yeah, not used to. So true. It's more comfortable to, for her to be in an unhealthy relationship. So being in a healthy relationship, she's calling it boring, but what really is happening is that she's having a panic yeah. and she probably feels like she doesn't deserve it or right. she's having all this anxiety and um, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's just her adjusting to a, a better reality that she probably deep down doesn't think she really deserves. Yes, that's a really good point. Yeah, this is like we're really seeing like Carrie's insecurities here. Yeah, it is so interesting too because she even acknowledges that she's sabotaging it. Like she yeah. knows what no, she's she doing does. in the conversation this is actually, with Charlotte. She's been more self aware in this episode than a lot of them. we've talked about this before and we'll probably talk about it again but it is truly fascinating that Carrie who like is so cosmopolitan has amazing friends so thoughtful thinks about things so deeply writes about relationships just blanket hates therapy it cracks me up but there would be no show so yeah. Thank God she does. If but she just did an, have a therapist, though, I think it, it would it would be a good it would be a welcome character. Do you think? Because, I don't think it, I don't think she would ever. I don't think it would change her. I think it would just be a way to kind of maybe more blatantly highlight her these issues. issues. Yeah, because I guess be, the reason that they don't have one is because the friends are quote unquote yes, functioning as her exactly. sounding board, so it would be redundant. Yes, you wouldn't. It would be unnecessary, but it would be interesting to see it. Carrie therapist, a therapist. Okay, guys, um, Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? I hope I didn't say this already in another horny for, so if I did, let me know. I'll okay. do another one. Okay, okay. But I see a ton of films. I love movies. There were so many good movies. It just like so many came out all at, at yep. once. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I saw this movie 
And it maybe was like the best movie I've seen in like years, like multiple years. Mm -hmm. I have never had such a thrill. It's been a long time since I felt so thrilling and excited and just like taken for a fucking ride. What? Uncut Gems. Oh, I just saw it last night. I thought was fucking mind-blowing. It was so good. Adam Sandler gave a performance that great actors who work their whole lives don't even achieve. Like, he gave, like, a Brando-level performance, and those filmmakers are, like, my new favorite filmmakers. I have friends who said that they felt like they had a... I had a friend who I had dinner with couple nights ago said that she literally had a panic attack after it. Whoa. I've heard people have very adverse Whoa. reactions. It's a very tense movie, but I thought it was brilliant and unusual and I've never seen anything like it. And so I uh, can't wait to dig into all the Safdie brothers, other films. Yeah. It's a great call girl. What were you horny for? Um, I'm horny for this show on Netflix. It's a docuseries called cheer and it's about competitive cheerleading, which is a world I know nothing about other than outside of bring it on. Um, and it's fascinating because, I mean, maybe this is stating the obvious, but I did not know, like, there is no life as a competitive cheerleader. There's no career past college, but people are training their whole lives to be competitive cheerleaders knowing that it's going to end when you turn like 22 or whatever. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was really interesting, but it's such an insular world and there's a college in Corsicana, Texas called Navarro junior college. And that apparently is the Mecca for competitive cheerleading and people from all over go there for scholarships for competitive cheerleading. And it's just, it follows this team leading up to their big tournament in Daytona Beach where it's like that's the that's the pinnacle like if you can win this competition that's it like that's the ceiling that you'll reach and it's just so interesting to see first of all I mean the athleticism is mind-blowing what these kids can do and then just to see like their sort of small bubble in this small town and it makes you realize, like, we're all in our own bubbles. Like, thinking that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all in our own bubbles thinking, like, this is it, this is it. And then you see these these, these teenagers and college-age kids who are like, no, like, cheerleading is literally all we think about. It's, it's our friends. It's our family. The coach is like their mother. Like, it is it. And it's fascinating knowing that, like, it's going to end very, very early in your life. So, anyways, highly recommend. It's like I a six-episode docuseries. I love it, and it's TV. so well-directed. It's, like, really beautifully shot. Can't wait to see it. You'll love it. Okay, guys, that is the end of the episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at the Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.